From Relay FM, this is Upgrade 331, the Upgrade Holiday Special. Woo-hoo. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined by Jason Snell. And this uh, wonderful holiday Jingle special bells. is brought to Jingle you bells. by Squarespace, Smile, Pingdom, and Samebox. Ho, 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 Jason Snell. Ho, 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 Santa Mike Hurley. And believe it or not, the holidays are here. They are here, and we're going to try our best to enjoy them. And we will uh, partake in the tradition that is the Upgrade Holiday Special. And like all good traditions, there are traditions inside of it. Every episode of Upgrade is begun with a Snell Talk question. And I have a question from Ryan today who asks, Jason, what finger do you use for Touch ID on your laptop? Good question, Ryan. Good question. The answer is my right index finger. It's the only one, right? Yep. I can't imagine there being another one. Is there some perverse person out there who's like... I'm going to make it my pinky finger. (laughs) Why would you do that to yourself? But maybe. Oh, God, we're going to hear from that. We're going to hear we're going to hear from pinky people now. Pinky unlockers. I don't want to hear from the pinky unlockers, Mike. No, actually, if you can get the feedback in by next week before the end of the year, I will accept feedback from pinky unlockers. There's not going to be any follow up on next week's episode. You're right. Okay, then I don't want to hear about it. Pinky unlockers, hold your email. Well, yeah, don't 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 you know, don't worry about it cuz we're never going to address it, right? We could get a million emails from pinky unlockers and like I'm not going to leave that feedback for 2 weeks, right? Nope. Like oh, we'll talk about it in January. No one will remember this conversation in 2 weeks. Is that like a really proper like an English person like when you're drinking tea, do you extend your pinky finger so you do, and then you use it to unlock your Mac? Because you've always got the finger like free, yeah, I extended suppose. if you're posh. I wouldn't mind if somebody also used their pinky finger, right? Like, it's also registered, but it just feels like, like, if you're pressing a button, right, uh-huh. you use the index finger. The, it's the pointer. That's what it's, like, the other name for it. It is the mm-hmm. pointing finger. Like, would pe- so I want to know, the only thing I want to know from Pinky Unlockers, if you're going to contact me... <laughs> Is what button do you use to call an ele- like what finger do you use to call an elevator? Use your pinky for that pinky. too. I think they're pink. Yeah. Well, l- let's find out. But I, I would guess say we'll yes. find out. We, yeah. I've invented uh, what I think a pinky unlocker looks like, and there's somebody who is always extending their pinky finger to do things. Right. If you would like to send in a question to help us uh, answer, to, to open an, uh, an episode of Upgrade, just send in a tweet with the hashtag SnellTalk, or you can use question marks SnellTalk in the Relay FM members Discord. Next week, we are going to be participating in the seventh annual Upgradies. Voting Ooh. will close on December 23rd. So if you have not Ooh. got your votes in yet, you have just probably a day or two by the time you're hearing this. So go to upgradies.vote or click the link in the show notes uh, to make sure that you get your nominations in and you can join the many, many Upgradians who have nominated maybe some of their favorite apps, some of their favorite content, some of their favorite stories. I'm going to be going through all of these uh, towards the end of next week 
and tabulating the results. They will be brought along with mine and Jason's own nominations for those categories. And on our next episode, we will be going through every category, talking about the uh, three most nominated from the upgradees for every category, bringing our own nominations as well. And you will hear as each award is decided in the seventh annual upgradees. If you want to prepare yourself in advance, you can also look through our previous uh, award winners at the uh, upgradees.com. And I'll put a link in the show notes to that too. That is our beautiful, wonderful Hall of Fame helped uh, to be brought into life by friend of the show, Zach Knox. I am so excited. Mm, I can't wait to find out who won the upgradees. Nobody knows right now. Well, that's the that's the beauty of it. I can't wait to find out what got nominated by the listeners. I also can't wait to actually consider what I would choose. Oh, I've been I've been keeping my notes. I have some nominations mm. already. Great. Upgradies.vote is where you can go to put your nominations in, and I recommend uh-huh. that you do that. Immediately. Please follow up. Full screen iOS apps on M1 Max. What is going on here, Jason Snell? They updated Big Sur to 11.1 and it includes a change to the way ios apps run on the mac Mm -hmm. and uh so like hbo max which previously you could only watch in like a little window um you can you can full screen it now which you'd think would be good for like video playback um it's not It, it it's 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 bad. This is like this is literally the worst thing about the M1 Max is that the running iOS apps on it is not very good, and there mm-hmm. aren't a lot of good apps that you would maybe want to run aren't there, and the ones that are there aren't implemented very well. And yeah. this is an example of that where uh, H- there, there were all these stories that came out. Not to malign the people who wrote these breathless stories about, <laughs> well, maybe a little uh, Big Sur. 11.1 coming out and it's like aha now they've solved this problem of hbo max you can run it in full screen and i have to ask myself did any of them try that because i tried that and what happened is it went into full screen with the app window in four by three which is the shape of an ipad screen because it thinks it's on an ipad and you play video and what you get is a letterboxed video with black bars at top and bottom inside a pillar box which is black bars on the left and the right because it doesn't stretch the you watch a widescreen video on a widescreen monitor it doesn't stretch to fill the screen it stays in the box in the center that's the shape of an ipad it's dumb i get you know they're working on it this this is obviously the most underbaked uh part of uh m1 max and big Mm -hmm. sur um but like the experience was already bad and I don't know, there's something about them like making this improvement that actually doesn't improve anything very much. Yep. It just, I, 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 you just got to laugh. It's just, it's just not good. It's just a bad experience all around. All right, let's also do some upstream headlines before we get into our topics for the day. Uh, iOS and tvOS 14.3 have added a tab in the TV app to get you to Apple's TV Plus Originals easily. Uh, this is a very welcome thing. Now, look, I applaud Apple for t- not trying to like shove its content down our throats too much, but the problem of having an application which does two things, which is have all your original content and also b- try attempt to be an omnivorous 
content provider, if you're not going to heavily weight your content too much, which I feel like you do a good job, it means it actually makes it hard to find it. Like when yeah. I go to Netflix, I don't have to like struggle to find what Netflix makes. It's all there, right? right? It's all there. Um, so A- I'm Apple pleased has, that they've added this. Apple has struggled with this because they want to be this curator of all the stuff and they've got all the APIs so they can say, oh, you should watch this next episode of something on Hulu or whatever, or you know, they, all these different services that tie into their API. By the way, this is also on Big Sur 11.1. This is another thing that is added there mm-hmm. as well. Um, so they want to be this front end interface, but then they also have their own service and you f- end up in the situation where either they tilt too much to promoting Apple TV Plus stuff yep. or... Uh, you can't find Apple TV Plus stuff. And while I was watching Ted Lasso, while that was rolling out weekly, I would regularly go to the TV app and not be able to find where to click to play Ted Lasso. Mm -hmm. It's like, this is bananas. Why is this happening? So yes, now there's an Apple TV tab that's just devoted to Apple TV Plus. And in there, you'll find all the stuff that's actually on the service, which should have been there from the start. But I get why they didn't do it i I guess but this is better this is it actually i think in the long run will hopefully allow the watch now tab to be um less apple tv plus focused than it had to be because it had to do all the heavy lifting for the service yep now now they don't really need to put it there at all because it's got its own tab in the uh in the application yeah. Uh, the Apple TV app itself will also be coming to Google's Chromecast devices in early 2021. I had forgotten about this. Like in my mind, it was like, oh, Apple's everywhere. I hadn't really considered Chromecast because I, I don't really think of Chromecast like a streaming box, but I know it's become more like that over time. Like my mental model of Chromecast has kind of remained as like AirPlay. But I know it does more now than that. Right. But I, I kind of forget that that's the case. So this is cool, though. Like this is again, like this is exactly what we wanted Apple to do, which was to make sure that they were everywhere. This is what they have to do, uh, and I'm pleased to see them continuing to move in this direction. Yeah, for sure. I, my um, my Roku TV got a the Apple TV and AirPlay update the other week, and nice. I actually AirPlayed to it for the first time over the weekend and you know it was super easy it's really nice to have it there it does you know make me wonder from time to time why i even have the apple tv hooked up to it yeah i've felt that way with with the um the lg tv that we have i mean really at this point the only reason i still use the apple tv is so i can use the home pods as my stereo pair Mm. because that's a good one it's so much easier to airplay directly to my television it's really easy to do it uh, and it works right. seamlessly. So you know, I'm, ver- I'm very happy with that. Mm. Apple is in talks to acquire the rights to two animated features from Skydance Animation. Both of these movies are produced by John Lasseter. So it was previously at Pixar and Disney. Um, previously, because he had a history of sexual misconduct, which came out a few years ago, and he took a leave of absence from Disney when these allegations came out and were proved to be true and he acknowledged them and took a leave of absence and then never came back and then went on to uh i believe run skydance um their animation division this doesn't feel like a good idea uh for yeah, apple I, I definitely saw a bunch of uh of uh, uh, talk about this in the last week that you know there are these issues with his uh you know his, uh, his missteps is what he said 
and he and and Skydance brought him in, and everybody was sort of like, okay, like do you, you know, do you want to work with this guy? He's very creatively, uh, he's got a great creative resume, but at the same time, he has had this history of of uh, questionable behavior. Um, there are definitely people who left projects mm-hmm. after he arrived. Yep. Um, including, I remember Emma Thompson quit when he was hired. And so, you know, there are a lot of people out there who look at this and say, this isn't a great look for Apple, that the, the, the Skydance stuff is tainted because Lasseter has, himself is tainted. And I mean, it's their decision about how they want to spend their money. And I, I on one level, I want to say, you're an entertainment company, you're acquiring movies and uh, if the quality of the movies is good, uh, then you should evaluate them that way. On another level, uh, I think you have to look at who is responsible and say, "Do I want to be in business with this person?" And you know, the fact is, if you are uh, if you are buying movies from Skydance, what you're saying is Skydance was right to hire a guy who was kind of disgraced mm-hmm. and just stick him in opportunistically in order to improve your your outcome of your movies and then that's what they're going to get and does apple want to be a part of that or not yeah. and i don't i mean from this report it sounds like apple has just decided that it's the you know the, whatever the stink is it's like too many layers away for it to matter to them and i'm not sure i mean everybody's going to have a different opinion about that mm-hmm. i i looked at this and went i don't know i don't think i would give my money to john lassiter at this point but it's not my money it's really complicated right like there are so many layers to this onion where it's like you know obviously it's not like john lasseter's not responsible for every part of these movies being made and by commissioning these movies like there's people in the industry that get work right which is important and is you know it's like it's really it's a very tricky it's like a minefield right it's there's like a billion decisions that have to be made to go into a situation like this and my argument would kind of be like do you need to do this like Apple, are these the only movies? Like, do you want? Is this yeah. is this the minefield you want to walk into? Like, right. th- these are you know. I well, know like- I'm aware. I'm aware that he's he's actually very you know incredibly talented, uh, brilliant person. But at the same time, there's this feeling like societally that it's like, well, he he did some bad stuff to a lot of people, and his punishment was that he had to leave the job that he was in, mm-hmm. which is a sort of punishment, although he still gets to be rich and successful and creative, have, you know, Oscars and stuff like and that. And get more jobs. And then also apparently get more jobs that allow him to do this. And there's a question of like, did he really, you know, did he get punished for what he did? Whose job is it to punish him? Nobody's. Um, and the answer is, well, you know, one way you punish somebody like that is by, making them a bit of an outcast and saying, mm-hmm. you know, what you're doing for a while, if not ever, is going to be um, thought of poorly and you're going to have to kind of walk in the in the wilderness. And Skydance was like, nope, we're going to give him money and give him a job. And, you know, uh, it's it's one of those things where I see the I see the sort of the letter of it, the detail of it, and I go, okay, you know, it's your money. And then on, on another level, I'm like, mm, but personally, I don't I don't think I could, I, I would champion that person it's or so work difficult, from right? that person at like, this point. Yeah. You know, there I mean this is this is like a real question for our time. And it's like are we saying nobody can change? Right? 
Like that's yeah, and, that's a question, right? And I and don't I don't think I agree with that. And if he's never really punished formally, yeah, there can never be a sentence. There's never a, a an amount of time. And and this again, this is getting into big picture stuff. Is like, is there a is there a a period of time? Do they have to admit and and be forgiven? Do they do they serve their time? This is the argument about anybody who's been convicted of a crime mm-hmm. serves their time and then comes out. Some people are like, well, you should never work with them because they were a criminal. They did this terrible thing. Yep. And then the counter argument is, but they did their time. They should be able to reenter society. Mm-hmm. Not everything should be a life sentence. And the challenge with somebody like Lassiter is a little broader because the issues are complex and there was never really any punishment. His punishment was possibly paying out people in lawsuits. I don't actually know if there was anything and it may yep. all have been settled and hushed up. Um, and he lost his position at Disney, but you know, he doesn't, I would say it might be easier to gauge something like this if he had to go to jail for a few years and then came out and people said, well, he served his time, but there's this like, uh, and and I don't know, because while it's one of these things to say he's rich and famous and kind of got away more or less uh, free from this other than losing his job and, and that's not much punishment at all. And he didn't seem to make a, a particularly contrite admission i'm also really hesitant to say that whatever he did the punishment is he should never be heard from again mm-hmm. because that seems awfully extreme too the problem is i think there's you know what is the what is the in between this is very heavy stuff for the christmas episode mike but there yeah, it is. i'm sorry i'm sorry i really i really wanted to bring it up though like it, it it felt like it wasn't something i wanted to just let go by um it's very complicated. It's and this is going to be something that uh, it's too soon for society to settle on what the ramifications are for people in these situations, because this is a relatively new phenomenon, you know, of these types of things happening in the public eye. And they're being public outcry for <laughs> yeah, them. Yeah, it's not a new phenomenon, but it's a new phenomenon that that, that in they the way are, it is done. That, that that there is an attempt to deal with them, but there is this question of like, what is the acceptable amount of rehab uh, for somebody's image and somebody's and and what goes into that? And and there are lots of different opinions about that. And that's the yep. minefield that somebody like Apple has to walk. It's like Skydance, I think, is like they just snapped him up. They're like, ah, we know you had a history of problems, but you know we'll hire you. Mm-hmm. And that you're like, mm, really? Okay. And then Apple's like, we will we will talk to you again apple hasn't signed anything but it's like we will talk to you about doing business with you here and that's a, a, like i said it's a layer of 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 stink removal there but is that enough one layer is that extra layer enough or or not it's a very difficult situation what you know what is what is tainted by his presence or should he be allowed to get on with his life and that you know he already paid the price by losing his uh, plum job at uh, Disney and Pixar. Um, a lot, everybody's going to draw the line. I would argue somewhere different, but um, and, and I'm not going to say what Apple should do here. So much as to say, I I have to think that Apple is aware of the issues here and mm-hmm. is weighing the value of the films with the value of being in business with John Lasseter. Yep. The one thing I just wanted to clarify when I said it being new. The, the new thing, what I'm talking about is like, I don't like the phrase, but like canceling, right? Like that there is a public well, outcry. I was going to say, 
I was going to say the Me Too movement too. It's like this is this yes. is stuff that used to get completely swept under the rug, or the people would just leave, and it's like, what are you going to do? It's a powerful man, mm-hmm. and that didn't happen this time, right? There, no. this is this is this effect of this is unacceptable behavior, and you you know you can't be here, and that's great, but now what? Yeah. Wonder Woman 1984 will get a <laughs> PVOD premium video on demand release in oh, the UK. Love a good PVOD. We'd well. wondered what would happen. Uh, it's one month after the cinematic release. So from the 13th right. of January, you will be able to rent this movie from places. No one's actually said where, but the fact that it is PVOD seems to suggest to me anywhere so it's not going to be sky as we thought it's going to be like itunes wherever you get your rentals this is the itunes window yeah this is where wonder woman 1984 will go wonder woman 84 will go here in the u.s 31 days after uh christmas when it comes out the same Mm -hmm. thing and it'll be uh, probably available to buy on itunes and then like two weeks later available to rent or that thing it'll it'll as if it ran in cinemas for a month which in the UK, well, I guess maybe some parts. Anyway, well, let's pretend that it ran in cinemas for a month and then it goes on that second window, which is the premium video on demand, which is not on a streaming service, but rather you can buy it or rent it. Um, and that'll weirdly inverted in the US, that is what will happen. It will go off HBO Max and enter that window. Yeah. But the nice thing about that is if you don't have HBO Max, or in the case of many countries, you literally don't have HBO Max in your country you will just kind of bypass that first thing and then you will also go to the second premium video on demand release. Pavod. Good pa- good Pavod. 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 Like two Ps in a Pavod. Bod. The Office debuts exclusively on Peacock in the US from January 1st. Uh, upgrade upstream listeners know that this was a thing that was happening. But there's some details around uh, this, which I thought were really interesting. So uh, NBC have announced that the first two seasons of The Office will be available for free with ads. But all of the other episodes will be on Peacock Premium only, which is interesting on many layers, right? Like mm-hmm. this is maybe what uh, NBC's model is going to be because they have their free with ads and they also have their paid yeah. plan. So th- and- this is part of the complexity of, of Peacock is there's yeah. a free, free tier mm-hmm. with ads. There's Peacock Premium, which is pay unless you're a Comcast subscriber, you know, pay with an asterisk. Some people don't have to pay with ads. Mm-hmm. And then there's Peacock Premium Plus, <laughs> where you don't get the ads. So there's the three tiers. But th- what this means, and this is going to happen on other services too, HBO Max is probably doing this as, as well at some point, is there is the argument that what you do is you get people in the door with a free tier that's absolutely free. And not all of your stuff is on it, but some stuff is on it. It's like a little teaser. You can watch the stuff for free with ads. And then if you want the the rest of The Office after the first two seasons, you have to pay something or be a Comcast subscriber. Yeah, so the seasons three to nine, they're on both of the paid tiers, the pay with ads and, yeah. and, and plus, premium or premium plus. Yeah. They're also introducing what they're calling superfan episodes that feature never-before-seen footage and deleted scenes, which mm-hmm. is very smart, right? Yeah, um, some of these, some some extended episodes appear on iTunes, but I think it happened later in the run. It sounds like this is maybe, I, I want to find out what the workflow is for this, because I really do wonder, is this something that was always there, that they always built these extended cuts, and then they just... Uh, didn't put them anywhere 
or did they actually contract with the producers of the office to go back and essentially restore the the cut before they cut mm-hmm. for time and I, and when did that practice start because i know that that became a practice with greg daniels and with mike sure the producers of the office and all of their fur- further shows all of mike sure's further shows that they actually were so savvy about digital they realized at some point when the show was on itunes for sale that they could take their longer episode that was what they wanted it to be but not fitting in nbc's time window mm-hmm. and save that out they would save that out and say that is our creative episode final and then they'd cut it um i just wonder when that started in the run of the office and did yeah. they have to go back and kind of re-envision this and what were the i'm also fascinated from a technical standpoint like do they back up all of their all of their uh projects their editing projects or do they only have like footage and logs or like because uh, i don't know i don't know how you reconstruct this and how much work this would be or whether there was something already in the can i'm fascinated by that but i love this idea because every tv show that's ever broadcasting to a place with a time constraint i think this happens now but every one of them they should make a locked version that's the right version and then mm-hmm. cut it to fit so that you can have the your good place episode that's two minutes longer and keeps some jokes in that only got cut for time NBC are also creating The Office Zen, a 24-7 channel of ambient noise devoted to the sights and sounds of The Office for anyone working at home. Genius! There's some smart people working at NBC. This is when I was talking about these the channel idea in in Peacock where they've got these channels that just stream things, which is very similar to an idea that um back when the FX app existed before it all kind of got subsumed into hulu and disney plus the fx app had this had channels for like the simpsons mm-hmm. um and and i think maybe other things where you could basically put it on it's basically a streaming 24 7 streaming channel trying to replicate the serendipity of flipping around on a on a tv and so peacock has this for a bunch of stuff this is an interesting take on that where they've built uh it's like those uh you know, those fire log videos, those log log videos. It's that same concept too, which is it's a very long, or, you know, there are lots of these on YouTube, right? The ambient things, a draw, a long drive, like even gray, our friend gray has posted like his drive in his, in the Tesla Mm -hmm. to Utah for like hours and hours and hours. And people like to put it on. It's soothing. It's background noise. It's, it's interesting, but not very interesting. So you can kind of keep going. So I can only imagine that they've taken some images and their background loops and their sound effects and had somebody build several hours of office of like the very office. Cool. Yep. Very That's hilarious. Cool. Very I love cool. it. All right, this episode is brought to you by our friends over at Pingdom. Do you have a website? Does your website have a shopping cart, registration forms, or contact us pages? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you need Pingdom because nobody wants their critical website transactions to fail. That means a bad experience for your users and could mean lost business for you. But the good news is you can set up transaction monitoring with Pingdom. This means that you will be alerted when anything fails on your website. If your cart checkout breaks, if people can't enter forms, forms or access loading in pages, you're going to know before these problems affect your customers and your business. Pingdom will let you know the moment that any of these fail in whatever way, 
is best for you. You can customize who is alerted and how, depending on the outage severity. It's really granular, and it makes sure that the right person who can fix the problem is the person who is alerted first. Pingdom cares about your users having the smoothest site experience possible. And if disaster strikes, you're going to be the first to know. Super easy to get started. Go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. And then when you sign up, use the code UPGRADE at checkout to get a huge 30% off your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom for their support of this show and all of RelayFM. So this is a weird holiday special. Because usually the holiday special, we created it because kind of like the summer of fun. Nothing's happening at this time of year. So we would create like weird things to do for this episode. But this year has seen so many weird delays in product cycles. We have new things to talk about now. So later on in today's episode, we're going to be doing what we spoke about we would do. So we're going to have our holiday ask upgrade, and we're also going to be doing uh, a Mike at the Movies segment on a Charlie Brown Christmas special. But we have new things to talk about, AirPods Max and Fitness Plus. These are two things that came out. Uh, And I think, if I'm right, uh, we have a 50-50 split on this. You don't have AirPods Max, correct? Correct. I do. I have not yet tried out Fitness Plus, but you have, ah. right? Yes, unlike the hosts of Connected, all of whom bought giant, expensive headphones. You didn't. I, I again, I, listeners to Upgrade know this already. I, I'm fascinated. I've listened to several hours of podcasts with other people talking about the AirPods Max, and I, I am interested in knowing what people think of them, mm-hmm. while at the same time, just not being interested in them at all. <laughs> Again, so, to, to reiterate, it's great. you just it's don't, great. It's, there is no headphone product like this that you would want because you don't like over-ears, right? I don't like over-ear headphones of any kind. That's exactly right. Not interested. It's not a knock against AirPods Max. It's not like, oh, these are too expensive. No, or it's a whole category. Like it is yeah. a category I don't care about, which is why I've loved the fact that Apple's headphones up to now have all been kind of little things you stick in your ears. Mm-hmm. Um, AirPod Max isn't that and that's fine uh, there was a time when I did buy a pair of Sony noise cancelling headphones because I was going on a, a trip to Hawaii and my for various medical reasons um, I had been suggested by my doctor that I not have my like big in-ear headphones in my ears on planes because it was it was giving me like headaches and stuff and and so I was like, okay, I'm going to get over your headphones. And they were fine. I don't like them, but they, they did the job. And then the AirPods Pro came out that were able to pass air through and do noise canceling. Mm. And I, I that was that. The AirPods Pro was enough for me. So you had like pressure. It was, it was like pressure problems. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. It's inner ear, inner ear issues. If, if you completely block the inner ear and then you've got pressure problems, it, or it brought, block the ear. Mm. It was no, like, that's probably, probably contributing to... Uh, this so I stopped doing that, but then the AirPods Pro actually let the air pass through, and I didn't have any issues with them, so it's I don't like, use this anymore. And that's why I, I'm interested in what you have to mm. say about AirPods Max, which is great because there are some listeners to Upgrade who say I want more Jason, and there's some listeners to Upgrade who say I want more Mike. Most listeners to Upgrade, I think, are like it's perfect the way it is, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> but anyway, this is a uh, so I'm gonna. I'm going to talk about Fitness Plus, and mm-hmm. you're going to talk about AirPods Max, and mm-hmm. we're going to like divide and conquer. I love it because it's less work for me. Let's do it. <laughs> so AirPods Max sound fantastic. Music, podcasts, 
they're the best headphones I've ever owned. And I'm happy with that because it's what I expected. Like from an audio perspective, I was expecting these to sound the best and they do sound the best. Um, I do not have a pair of wireless over-ear headphones made by any other company. Um, You may remember, I remember, Jason, sitting in the Beverly Hills Hotel in LA in January talking to you about this product because that was when there were more Mm. rumors going around. And even then I was saying, I want some noise-canceling over-ears because I love my AirPods, but I'm going to wait for these so i've i haven't bought these products any of these products i don't have any of the sony's or anything like that this is not the podcast for audio comparisons i'll tell you that right now because i am not your man right there are many hours on connected and many hours on atp of people that have vastly varying uh, views on audio Mm -hmm. and you can go and listen to federico you can listen to marco talk about that at length I, I've said unconnected, and I'll say it here for the record as well. I kind of don't really subscribe to a lot of this thinking because I don't hear it, and I think everybody hears differently. And I don't think that it's really accurate to tell people how they're going to hear something because I hear people having the same product and describing that product differently. So ears are weird, right? <laughs> <laughs> it is, and and there are. In fact, I was listening to ATP and laughing at. Um, something marco said that's totally true which is um headphones don't break in in a break-in period your brain processes what the headphones sound like to sound better and this is true with so many of our senses with our ears and with our eyes Mm -hmm. that our brain we're not seeing the raw or hearing the raw input right Mm -hmm. our brain is a signal processor and does a lot of things to interpret the raw info coming from outside of our bodies. And it's a little weird to think that the world as we see and hear it isn't really the world. It's our brain's best approximation of the world that makes sense. But there's truth in that. And that means that not only are people's ears different and their, their hearing is different, their frequency ranges that they can detect is different. Then there's personal preference. Then there's their brains applying essentially for computer people, the preferences to the input. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's, it's bananas. So it's hard. It is a very hard thing to do. I, I learned this lesson, um, a uh, friend of mine who has since passed away was a, an expert in in color. It's like a Photoshop expert yeah. and introduced me to the concept of memory color, which is literally if you see an object that should be one color and it's not that color, your brain just makes it that color that nice. it should be. And so you can't, if you're trying to test, is this color right or not on a printer or a monitor, you can't use that technique of like, well, that's an apple. I know what color that apple is. That mm-hmm. what what shade of red that apple should be, because your brain is like, nah, I'm going to use my color instead of what the eyes are telling me I'm seeing there. Yeah. And it works that way for sound too. It's 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 bananas. So yeah, it's like the way that MP3 compression works is they just take parts of the music out and just let your yeah. brain fill them in. That's how it works. Yeah. Like if you ever listen to uncompressed audio and you're like, oh, I heard something I didn't hear before. I said, yeah, because it doesn't exist in the MP3. That's why. Mm-hmm. Right, like that's, that's how so, it works. Like, you know, there are the differences of like compressed and uncompressed audio. They are there because there is literally different data available to you, right? Yes. So I understand why people like lossless and all that kind of stuff. But 
I just, you know, the, basically the most you're going to get out of me is these headphones sound great. The rest of the stuff that I have to talk about is not about sound. It's like the product itself because I don't, I don't even know how to explain it to you, right? As an individual, it's just like, they sound really great. I hear things in the audio that I don't usually hear. That's like the mark of a good product for me because, you know, like the separation, the stereo is really good. So like you can hear things more differently. Like I kind of described these of like, if you've used a HomePod, these are like HomePods on your head, right? Where like the HomePod experience for me was like, oh, like I can hear stuff differently. This is really cool, right? Like surround sound or whatever. Like you hear things differently, and the the AirPods Max do that for me too, um, and I'm happy with that. By and large, I do find them comfortable uh, to wear. I'm not sure that the weight bothers me yet. I think this is going to take longer testing for me to know. Um, I've used them for many hours at a time, and I haven't found myself feeling like, oh, these are so heavy. Like, I haven't had that. But... I do use big, heavy headphones for recording podcasts. When I do my Twitch streams and stuff, the headset that I use is very similar in weight to the AirPods Max. So I am potentially an over-indexed person in this field because I tend to use quite heavy headphones in general, um, which is just a thing I didn't know I was doing, but it's just a thing that I do. So I might not be your best... um, point on that but like these are heavy they are heavier than most headphones that you would experience so your mileage may vary on that one and unfortunately there isn't really a way that you can test them yourself like you i don't really i can't imagine i mean most listeners i think can't even go to an apple store at the moment so um the noise cancellation is superb i love it I have spoke before about just using AirPods Pro for silence in when I'm working at home. The AirPods Max are even better than that. They cut out pretty much every noise that would be in my house. And it really, like, you know when you, you, you activate the noise cancellation and Apple has that beautiful sound and they fade it in and it kind of feels like the world just envelops around you, you know? Yeah. It mm-hmm. is so much more effective with the AirPods Max. <laughs> Because like I, I honestly like I imagine what in my mind there's like a like an animation that plays in my head of everything kind of just like like a spotlight is on me or something and everything yeah. else is dark around me. It's very impressive. This, on the AirPods Pro, I I think of that sound effect, the little boop, mm-hmm. and I think of it as like a door closing. That's yeah. how I envision it. Is that that's the door closing and now there's no sound. From okay, outside. well on the AirPods Max, the doors close and all the curtains close. <laughs> as yeah, well, they right? lock up the yeah. lock up the safe and all of it's those things. It's all shut. Happen. It's very, very, very good. Very good. And transparency mode is unbelievable. It is unbelievable. It's so much clearer. Um, you can hear things that you otherwise wouldn't hear. Uh, they've both of these are kind of what I hoped and expected, right? Like transparency and noise cancellation are really good on AirPods Pro. They should be even better when you have more hardware. Turns out it's true. So much better in both in both instances. Uh, the case sucks, but like whatever for me, like I'm kind of like whatever about it. Like I use it because like I have it. So like when I'm done with my AirPods for the day, I just put them in the case because I have the case. So like why not? Um, it's good that Apple have clarified now if you've missed this, like, because there was a lot of confusion about low power mode and 
if and when and how that was activated. And it basically turns out that it's all of these things. So there are two low power states for the headphones. There's one right. when you just take them off. And then there's one which happens after a period of time. And basically, in the case, it hits this period of time where it goes into the ultra low power mode faster. So really, it kind of doesn't matter. Like, it will go into that low power mode, the ultra low power mode. Um, but the main low power mode is the one that's most important. And instead of it happening immediately when you put it in the case, it's after five minutes when you take them off your head. I really, my favorite summation of this is something that Federico tweeted. And he said, if you're the kind of person who buys AirPods Max, you're not going to ignore them for three days. So the more important low power mode is the one you get after five minutes outside of the case. So like, I, and I completely agree with that. Like, I think the typical person who is used, spending the money on these headphones and using them is using them frequently. So the fact of this like ultra low power mode happening after three days or a day is not really that much more uh, right. important. And that's the storage. I mean, essentially, that's you only use these when you're on planes and you're not going to be on a plane for another two months. And mm -hmm. so you store them away. Yeah, sure. And so, you know, I just think that it's, it's kind of a non-issue. There was also this um, interview that went around from a, a, a Japanese publication uh, which is called Casa Brutus. And I've seen some translations of it um, going around. You can you can find them quite easily for yourself. Every Apple website is reported on them. But basically, in a nutshell, uh, the designer, one of the designers behind this product, Eugene Wang, said that Apple basically are happy with the case. They think it's minimal and efficient for traveling with. You can kind of make up your own mind on the case. Like I kind of feel like the case really isn't fit for case purpose but i also never put my headphones in a case i just put them in my bag i've never destroyed a pair of headphones um again like i think you are you already know what kind of person you are right and if you feel like you need a hard case for your headphones because you're always breaking headphones then don't, either don't get these or wait until there's a good third party option if you are like me where like i just have the top of my bag which i put my headphones in nothing else goes in there except other soft things i've never broken a pair of head headphones i'm kind of cool with it like whatever the case isn't great as as a case i think of it as more like a sleeve for the headphones and even at that it's not great but it works and i'm fine with it and that's that um i had a thought about the price a lot of, lot, lot of okay. questions about the price right uh, yes. everyone brings up ah oh, that's so expensive why would you pay 500 dollars for a pair of headphones so i kind of had the thought is an iphone worth a thousand dollars is it like, you can get phones for $200 that ostensibly have all the same features. Why do you choose to spend $1,000 on your phone and not $200 on your phone? And so I don't really have a point to that other than that what I've exactly just said. It's kind of all relative these days. What are you buying this product for, right? Are you buying it because you like its integration with other services? Like, I want Apple's headphones because I want headphones that work like AirPods because... I'm a big fan of the switching from device to device. It's not perfect, but it's friggin' magic, right? Because I have this a lot. I'm like watching something on my iPad. Maybe I'm watching a Twitch stream and then I'm on my iPhone because it's kind of in the background. You know, we talked about that background audio earlier. Twitch streams are kind of like that too for me. Kind of have them in the background. I see something on my phone. Maybe I'm looking at Instagram. I want to see a video. I just press play. It starts playing on my iPhone. And then I go back and press play on my iPad again, switch back. Magical, right? I want that kind of experience in 
all of my headphones. And if the only headphones that are available for that cost that price, well, that's the decision that I make, right? I don't have to buy an iPhone. I don't have to buy a Mac. I can get products in these classes that are much cheaper, but there's choices that I make to be in the ecosystem and I want all those products to be in the ecosystem. So this is the decision I make. Price is relative these days. Right, and it's um, one of those things like, what kind of, and this is not, a, I was going to say, what kind of person are you? That's not really accurate. What What is your priority in a particular area? Mm-hmm. Do you want the nice thing? Because Apple is very good at making a nice product that fits really well into its ecosystem, that has some things that nobody else has, and you pay a premium for them. And we talked about my rules of pricing last week. But um, in many of those cases, it's also possible to just buy a cheaper product that won't be as nice and that's down to everybody right like you tell you you lay down some sony or bose headphones and the airpods max uh in front of somebody and you say this isn't as nice for these reasons you know integration with the ecosystem and the and the h1 chip and you know blah 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 all those things um and the difference in price is two hundred dollars or three hundred dollars or whatever the price difference is between those two models and some people are going to say, yeah, it's never going to be worth it for me to have nice headphones like that. I don't use them enough or I don't care about that enough. I'm never going to buy that. Mm-hmm. And other people are like, oh, well, if they're, yeah, this is the Apple product and I want nice headphones because I love my headphones and I'm going to get the Apple product. And that's a, you know, that that's why all the arguments about are they overpriced or not are stupid. And all those people who announced that it was overpriced having not heard them were uh, misguided is because... It is relative. Like it, it, they would be overpriced if, after all the reviews came out, people said, "I don't see why you would buy these." The answer is there are reasons why you'd buy these, but you know that's your priority. Talking there, and mm-hmm. if I was in my position that I was in a few years ago, where I realized I needed over-ear noise-canceling headphones for a trip, and I had to buy some, would I spend a few extra hundred? <laughs> To buy the Apple pair, gotta say no, wouldn't do it. But that's because I would be buying them for a specific reason mm-hmm. and wanting a, a base level of feature, but really wanting to pay as little as possible because it's not my priority. Um, and that's fine. That That's fine too. Apple priced it the way they did, I think, knowing that they were trying to capture this very particular part of the market that was going to pay that price and that they could make a lot of money from that. And so they did. And uh, those who really hate the price and think that it's bad, I would say if it sells poorly, (laughs) Apple will have to do something to change their price. Uh, If it sells well, then they won't. And it's like, you know, for me, I I will wear these headphones multiple hours a day now. And uh, I want them to tickle the boxes that I want to tick. And these ones do. And Apple is not... Apple is not going to forego a lot of profit margin in order to pump up this product because this is an accessory product, right? Mm-hmm. Like you could argue that that if Apple wants the masses to buy an Apple Watch, which is also still an iPhone accessory product, but like if if they want to pump up sales for the masses, they will be more aggressive on price. But this, these headphones are kind of like their cases and some of the other stuff they make the leather slip case for the ipad and for the macbook like the one they just made for they, the iphone with the window yeah they are they are products where there are 
always alternatives. They are always cheaper. Apples are expensive. They're nice, but they're expensive. But they're from Apple. They might have the Apple logo embossed on them. They're available in Apple stores and on the Apple online store. And some people will buy them. And that's Apple's accessory strategy. And I would argue that's kind of the AirPods Max strategy, which is this is not a, a an ecosystem growth product. This is a make more money out of the ecosystem product. And, and that's why it's priced the way it is. But I, I think your experience shows like there is a market for it and they're a nice product. Um, and then it's up to everybody else to decide if they want them or not. As far as I can tell, they they uh, people are having a hard time getting them. It's not PlayStation yeah. 5 level, but people are having a hard time getting them. So there's clearly a market for what... Remember when we debated, like, should Apple even make a set of headphones or should mm-hmm. they just make Beats and stuff? Like, of course there's a market for an Apple-branded set of over-ear headphones. Of course there is. And, you know, we'll see where it goes in the, in the long run and how, how big it gets and whether it's just a niche product or if it has more followers. But um, it sounds like... They didn't. They didn't blow it, right? It, it, the no. case is, it, as you said, uh, sucks, but whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but beyond that, um, the product seems like it's actually a decent product, and you could see why some people would pay that price for it. The case is only getting so much focus from the reviewers because everything else about it's so good, right? People aren't complaining about like another thing about the product. It's because like the case, I think, is the only bad spot of the product itself, right? So it's just getting a lot of airtime because it's the bad part. And actually, Winter Charm in our chat just made a point that I want to mention because I think it's really good. And it's another part of buying psychology from Apple, which is some people buy Apple products. That's what they buy. Mm -hmm. The Apple stamp is like, this is an Apple product. And there's a a portion of Apple's customer base that's like, well, if it's from Apple, I'm interested in it. Mm-hmm. Even if it's in a category I've never really explored before. So you can I also imagine that- I am one of those that, people, right? Right? So the, some <laughs> of the people who would have never bought like even mid-range over-ear noise-canceling headphones, they're just using like little- foam on ear uh you know things from the 80s <laughs> and they're mm-hmm. like well i don't know it's from my walkman right they look at this and they're like oh apple makes one of those well maybe i'll try that and mm-hmm. so you will also get the case where people as winter charm pointed out have never bought this kind of product category before but will buy it because it's from apple and it, it introduces them to this concept and apple didn't invent it but apple put its stamp on it and it makes people sit up and say, oh, maybe there's something here that I should pay attention to because Apple thinks it's good enough to make a product in this category. And that's not that's a, a little section of the market, but I do think that's an interesting little section. All right, this episode is brought to you by our friends over at Smile. Get ahead of your productivity for the new year with the power of Text Expander. Text Expander removes the repetition from work so you can focus on what matters most. Say goodbye to repetitive text entry, to spelling and message errors, to trying to remember that right thing to say. Why not just use the words that were created by the best person in your team? This is the type of stuff that Text Expander allows you to do because in just a few keystrokes, you can say the right thing. It's better than copy and paste. It's better than scripts, better than templates. Text expander snippets allow you to maximize your time by getting rid of the repetitive things that you type while still customizing and personalizing your messages. I am such a fan of Text Expander. I use this product all the time. And we use the Teams f- feature here at Relay FM as well, so that when we're commu- communicating with uh, sales clients and stuff like that, we can have kind of like we can have sp- 
standardize things that we're saying to make sure that communication is all coming from the same pool. And it's really good because then if we find like one thing works, one thing doesn't work, we can update that together and everybody gets to benefit from the best language. Super great. Text Expander can be used in any platform, any app, anywhere you type. Take your time back in the new year and increase your productivity with Text Expander. Upgrade listeners get 20% off their first year. Go to textexpander.com slash podcast to learn more about Text Expander. Go there now. That is textexpander.com slash podcast. Our thanks to Text Expander from Smile for their support of this show and Relay FM. So tell me about your experiences with Fitness Plus. Fitness Plus, I used it. I really did. Um, I've done three classes because mm-hmm. I do. I live in a place where I can run outside, and so I do run still. But I did a thirty-minute bike workout. I have a recumbent, a very old recumbent stationary bike that mm. doesn't get a lot of use now because Snell-a-ton. I work at. <sighs> okay. We'll call it that. It's almost Skeletor, too. I like that. Skelet- Skeleton is when Skeletor leads your bicycle workout group. Have you ever thought about Snellator before? Have you ever thought about mm, that? No, never. Okay. And I never will again. Mm-hmm. So I, because I run, I don't, I don't need it now, but I used to work in an office and try to find time to exercise outside of the, the office hours. And when it's dark and cold, I don't really want to go outside and run or anything. So I have it. So I did a class with that and then i did two beginner classes of high intensity interval training and core just their their introductory classes and i have never done how how shall i put this i've never used any of the competing products so i cannot give you a comparison to the peloton either the live classes or the peloton recorded classes that they offer or other third party video based classes um in fact i've never really done a fitness class since i was a sophomore in high school and had pe Mm. so guided physical activity it's not a thing i know anything about anything this is kind of great really right like i had the headphones i'm not a headphones guy you did the fitness thing you're not a fitness class person yeah but to be honest isn't that better? So this is this is back to what we were just saying, right? Which is sometimes Apple stamp Apple's entry into something, especially if you are uh, as as we both are. I think the uh, Apple One Premium mm-hmm. level, the high mm-hmm. level of the Apple bundle, and so just a new fitness thing just rolls into your bundle, and you're like, well, I've got it. Maybe I should try it out. <laughs> it, it it it's from apple and it came to me and it's essentially free because i'm already paying for the bundle maybe i'll give it a try and so i did and um what i learned is that it's pretty good it it that the um it seems to fit apple's brand in a way that you know in the early days of steve jobs's return they tried a bunch of content initiatives of like reviewing websites and stuff and it was bad and it was just completely out of apple's range remember yeah. back those were the days where apple trying to do things like like cloud services and websites and stuff was just clearly outside their competency mm-hmm. and over the over the years over the last 20 years they've gotten better at a lot of that stuff and Fitness Plus is one of those areas where, like, the videos themselves, the way the people, the presenters have been trained, it's it's very high quality. It it's not 
it it's it's clearly fitting with Apple's brand promise. You don't you don't watch it and say, "Oh brother, I can't believe Apple made this." Like, "Oh no, you of course this is Apple." Like the way it's shot, the way the smiley people and like it is so in in keeping with what Apple kind of represents. So, uh good job on that because mm. that's a that's a place where you could make a misstep and be embarrassed and embarrass your whole company if you don't execute it properly. And I think mm. they did a good job. Okay. Uh, I think the content is good. Um it's integrated with the Apple Watch mandatorily so. And I have two thoughts about that. One is I really like it. It's a gimmick, but it's a good gimmick. Like when I'm doing the stuff that's out in my living room floor in front of the TV on the Apple TV, so the high-intensity interval training and the core stuff, you know, it, my watch buzzes to say the workout has begun, and it automatically ends the workout at the end, and that's kind of fun. And I can see my heart rate and my rings on the screen while I'm doing it. And that's nice. Um and I, I, I will grant you these are introductory exercises, but it's like, it's nice. It's not super necessary, but it's nice. Mm. My, my first thought, so my daughter's home uh, from school for a few weeks and she was interested in it and she can't do it because she doesn't have an Apple Watch. And that was one of my immediate mm-hmm. thoughts was, that's dumb. Like, I know they want, they, they perched this on the Apple Watch and they want it to be a part of the Apple Watch, but... My first take on it is it doesn't use the Apple Watch interactively, right? It, it's not like the the videos change based on your Apple Watch data. My understanding is they, they just play the videos and your data is there. That should be version two, by the way. Right. But well, yes. and, and I imagine I imagine they will go there, right? Mm-hmm. The the idea that it will adapt to you and, and you'll get the you'll get more, whether it's the video or whether stuff comes up on the screen or audio plays, that it is more interactive directly to your data eventually, other than just like the little burn bar and stuff. Like I, I imagine they'll get there, but for this round, it doesn't really matter. You could you could literally sit on the couch and watch the video, and I think it would just. I suspect I don't. I didn't try this. I should try this. I, I suspect it'll just play the video, right? And mm-hmm. it'll be like, you know, low heart rate, no rings, nothing, and it'll just. You'll be at the back of the class in the burn bar. It won't matter. Yeah. And if that's the case, what I would say is you should have a guest mode for somebody who doesn't have an Apple Watch that just lets them watch the videos since they have access to the to the Fitness Plus videos because like that is a great example of my daughter might be interested or I mean, she could do it like we could turn it on and have it be my wife's watch or my watch and then she could do it. But um, it just seems dumb to me that they, they should be selling watches based on people having this Fitness is Plus. It, right? And you're not, I don't think a lot of people will buy the Apple Watch for Fitness Plus if they've never used Fitness Plus. I think it's it's more of the other way around of like, oh, I want to try this out. Oh, and it'd be so much better if I had an Apple Watch. Yes, exactly. I think it could work both ways. And I, I, I admit, in the long run, Fitness Plus should take that data and do smart stuff with it. And mm-hmm. they should build branching workout videos that will actually adjust and they'll toss up a little, uh, you know, a close-up of the instructor saying, you know, hey, you're slowing, pick it up, pick it up a little bit, right? Whatever they need to do. You could, you could do that. But it's not really doing that now. Now, I will say, the bike class I did, I was super impressed. Haven't been on the bike in a while, um, but I do run and so my cardiovascular fitness is probably the best it's been since I was a teenager because I, you know, after I went to college, I, I 
and didn't have to take a PE class anymore, I sort of ceased. Stopped. <laughs> Anything, but and I would like play tennis or, you know, go for hikes and stuff, but not serious, like I am going to go run two miles stuff that I do mm-hmm. now two or three times a week. Um, so I, I'm not a physical specimen in any way, but at least I, uh, if I tried this a year ago, it would have been very bad is what I'm saying. Right. So it's a little bit better, but the, the beauty of having run is that I kind of know what my heart rate range is and I know what it is when I sort of peak out at the, I can't really push it any further. And the way, and I imagine this is standard technique for a lot of these classes because you've got different people at different levels. So the way they structure the, the, the bike class is they, they have, um, in that class, she's got, uh, the trainer has people around her in this case, I had a woman trainer. Um, and, and so there are other trainers around riding with her and it's kind of like, you feel like, you know, she, like you're in a class, I think is what they're trying to go for. It's very mm-hmm. clever. Um, and then what, and unlike the, uh, the floor classes where there are three trainers and essentially there's the main one and then the main one is sort of um, medium intensity. And it's like the person to the right is going to do this a little bit easier. And the person to the left is going to do this a little harder. And it's how they sort of structure it so that based on your level, you can choose what one you Mm. want to do. That's cool. Although I think to myself in the long run, you should choose and it, or it should know, Mm -hmm. and it should just show you the video that's of that. But I realize it's more videos. It's more complex. I get it on the bike. Instead, uh, since there's no feedback from the bike, right? The bike isn't connected to Apple Fitness Plus. It's just your watch. The way the instructor has to give the feedback is all based on you making decisions. And it's not only hitting the limitation of what they can do, but it's also very clever. And I imagine this is a technique that all trainers do, which is she would say, we're going to pick this up now, increase the the resistance on your bike. Now we're going to take this down a little, decrease the resistance on your bike. And then we're going to do this pace and you can watch the video and the pace of the music because there are playlists that play behind this, which is very clever. You can mm-hmm. go get those songs on Apple Music afterward. Yep. Synergy. Um, the So you're doing the pace uh, and you're doing the resistance, but it's like, not like you should be at resistance level whatever. It's like you should increase the resistance a little. You should decrease the resistance a little. And you get to make the decision, as I did while I was going... You know, is this too much and is this not? Mm. And the best part, and this is the the best use of the Apple Watch that I found in the whole thing, is that the bike trainer said, when we were in a medium kind of bit, she said, in this part, this is not the hard part. So if you are working really hard and your heart rate's way up, you're working too hard for this part. And that was great for me because I was able to look at my heart rate on the screen of the iPad, not looking at my Apple Watch, even though that's where the data was coming from, mm-hmm. and realize I I should target my heart rate for based on the feedback of how hard this part of the workout is. And I thought, well, this is really brilliant because I'm doing a self-guided workout with a trainer, <laughs> right? Because the trainer doesn't know what I'm doing, but... I have enough information between the, the, the trainer's explanation of how this is going to go and my heart rate on the screen that I can figure out whether I need to be uh, more resistance, less resistance, or whatever. Because if my heart rate's 160 and it's the middle part, I have nowhere to go up from there. And that's a mistake. Mm-hmm. I should be down at 120. So I've got room to grow mm-hmm. and get you know, and get exhausted later in the workout. I don't know. It was, again, for people who are old hands at this, they're going to be like, well, yeah, you've just described literally every 
class. And that's probably true. Other than the live Apple Watch data, which is a nice gimmick. And even there, I'm sure there are fitness things where you can pair a sensor and you can pair your bike data. And all of those things are probably true. But coming at this from the other side, I'm like, the content was good. Mm -hmm. The Apple Watch, while unnecessary at this point, was fun to have it there. And I do track all of my workouts on the Apple Watch. So having it do it automatically for me and give me credit was a nice little bit of integration. But but it feels like there's a lot more. If they're going to require the Apple Watch, there's a lot more they could do with it. Um, and if they're going to not require the Apple Watch, I think that would be smart because I think a lot of their stuff doesn't need it. And it would sell people Apple Watches. And then my only other complaint would be I think they need some more organization in the classes. I think I, I actually, it's one thing to kind of like pick through the classes, but I kind of like be able to fit almost a fitness profile of myself that says I'm at this level on this kind of exercise and this level on this kind of exercise and get some sort of like easy filtering of what is there for me. Also, I get the sense that they're going to be producing new episodes regularly and so I'm unclear if you can like say, I love this trainer, mm-hmm. I love this, I love this uh, level and have those pop up too. And I just, I feel like it's a, we were just talking about the Apple TV plus section of the TV app and how Apple yeah. has struggled with organizing categories of videos and stuff like that. And I think they're struggling on fitness plus and it, it's not exposed right now as much because there aren't that many videos, but it's only going to get worse. I saw, because I was poking around in the app today, um, and they had a new badge next to a bunch of videos. So, you know, they're, they're going to keep adding new ones, which is good because you want you don't want to keep doing the same workout all the time. It helps with variation. Um, I was planning to, to, to try this out on the weekend, but our weekend went a little bit wild here in the UK, and I had a lot of stuff I needed to take care of. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and so I, all I've done is, like, poke around in the app. And the thing... The main thing that I didn't like is that the classes don't really seem to be organized or grouped in a way to help you understand who they're aimed at. So like, well, I says like, I wanted to do yoga. That's the thing that I'm most interested in. And I've tried other yoga apps and have had good success with them in the past. Um, And I wanted to try yoga with with Fitness Plus. There's many different types of yoga. um, And it's kind of difficult to understand what exactly you're going to be doing from the, the what the, the the preview information that you see like what is the difficulty level of this type of stuff you know like there's still going to be a, a even though as you say like i think it's super cool i didn't know that about like the multiple trainers and you kind of pick there's still different types of these activities and you might be looking for one or the other and my yes. expectation is that you find this stuff out by trying it and that's cool like if yeah. you know like and if it, it stays that way and it's version one, and yep. the, the the catalog right now is very small. Yep. So they can afford. I can see why the argument is we need to launch this. Yep. And Get the it content out there. is our pri- yep. is our priority, mm-hmm. and getting this basic functionality is our priority, and then we'll go from there and build it out. I get that. I get why they might do it that way, but I agree with you. I just just sitting here talking to you, having used it three times. I could come up with a list like, uh, you know, I want to subscribe or I want to f- set a filter to trainers, to levels. Um, and maybe if there's stuff like this in there, my apologies. I guess that means it was less obvious than I would like. And I have to figure that out. But I was also thinking like exercise classes and making an appointment. Like some of us, you know this about me, Mike, some of us are motivated by appointments, right? Like mm-hmm. I make an appointment to write an article 
in my calendar sometimes. I think, wouldn't it be nice if you could say, I want to do this class on this time and I get a push notification or I open the app and it says, You're, you know, you should do this class. You haven't done this class this week. And like, there's some more motivation they can do as a part of the organization to get you to go to your classes and, you know, go to virtually and, and do this stuff. But, you know, it's a, it's a 1.0. And, and overall, what I would say is I think the content is very good. And, you know, it may not be to your taste. Um, you know, people who do Peloton, some people love it and some people hate them, uh, hate the trainers and hate the classes. And it's like everybody's looking for something different out of fitness and exercise motivation. Um, and in the end, I may very much have opinions about that, which I don't right now because I haven't done very much of it about like this trainer bothers me and this trainer doesn't. And are they too smiley or are they not uh, saucy enough do they is it a problem that they don't swear or is it good that they don't swear like on peloton where they apparently swear a lot like i don't know all of that but at first blush it seems professionally done the content seems good the people seem friendly and likable right at the beginning which i think is important if you're like well who is who the heck is this guy right and like apple has cast this because it's basically a tv show has cast it pretty well in terms of uh the the people and it also looks the studio is beautiful it's in santa monica that their uh their fitness plus studio it's gorgeous and i would say also i kind of like the idea that these people you know they are these trainers are kind of the stars and they're working for apple and they're uh, they're getting compensated well for being the stars. And I say that because I actually read an article about how one of the trainers uh, finally got to buy a house for the first time. And I get the strong impression it's because she works for Apple now and she gets to do that. And it's like, that's cool, kind of in the background too. So I don't know. It At first blush, it seems pretty good, but there's a lot of room for improvement, especially on, ironically, on the tech side where they don't... And, and, and somebody who's more into fitness stuff may be able to come up with some specific critiques about like where their holes are in terms of yeah. what they offer. But, um, and I would be interested in that because presumably they need to do more content development as well. But on the tech side and the interface side, I, I can see where they're, where they're lacking. I'll also say as much as I like listening to uh, podcasts when I run, and I'm going to say that like there's, there are apps out there like uh, zombies run is one where there's like motivation audio along with me- your music playlist that happen that let you kind of like entertain you and motivate you while you run. And that seems like an obvious thing for them too, is I'm out there running with an Apple watch and a pair of AirPods. Um, it seems like it's only a matter of time before they offer audio trainer stuff too right Mm -hmm. like right now it's all about video but it seems to me like what's missing is they don't have a companion apple doesn't have a companion for when you run i know like there's nike stuff and there's other stuff out there but that would seem like another product area for them that i would be kind of intrigued by is the idea that the trainers are now um, coming with me when i go outside to run this episode is brought to you by same box. When thinking about the biggest time waster at work, we all know it's email, right? We can all agree with each other. How much time do you spend in email every day? How many emails are you sending that kind of you really don't want to have to send? Or how many emails do you receive that were never needed, but you have to read them, you have to check? 
And this was like a waste of time. We could have just said this on a call or it never needed to be said at all. We spend so much time on email that we don't want to have to deal with. And this even isn't just like email communications from people you work with. There's like spam that you're getting, newsletters that you're getting, receipts that you're getting, all this kind of stuff. It can be taken care of for you. This is what Sanebox is all about. With just a few clicks, Sanebox automatically gets your email under control and filters out all of the messages that don't need your focus. You don't have to switch email apps. You don't have to switch services or providers for this. It works in whichever email client you're already using and has really nifty features. One of my favorites is the same black holes. So if you keep getting emails from someone and you don't want to hear from them anymore, you just drag them to that folder and you'll never hear from them again. They have sane reminders. So you could send yourself an email for something to remind yourself later on. Um, you can use sane news and sane later. Sane later is where it recognizes uh, emails that, that the, the sandbox thinks might not be that important to you filters mm-hmm. them off there you can deal with them and then if you respond to them or move them out of that uh, folder the rules are applied to that sender and they'll go to where you need them to go in the future it's all really really clever stuff um, I'm also a big fan of Sane News, which takes my email newsletters and announcement emails and stuff like that, puts them all in a folder and I can peruse them at my leisure you can see how SaneBox can magically remove distractions from your inbox with a two-week free trial. Go to SaneBox.com slash UpgradeFM and you can start your trial today and get a $25 credit. That's S-A-N-E-B-O-X dot com slash UpgradeFM. Our thanks to SaneBox for their support of this show and RelayFM. All right, let's actually get into the holiday-themed portion of the holiday special episode. Oh, hooray. Can we get some, uh, we're going to do some holiday ask upgrade. Can we get some special holiday themed lasers, Jason? Perfect. Look at that. You're welcome. That was beautiful. Yes, I do have sounds of jingle bells on my hard drive. I do. I do. Who doesn't? Everyone. Rick asks, what is the preferred snail zone holiday meal? Ham, turkey. What do you do? What is what well, is your thing? I know that ham is your thing. I know that because my wife doesn't eat pork, mm-hmm. so it's it's not ham. Mm-hmm. I I I eat ham. When I was a teenager, I remember telling my parents that I was I was tired of turkey, <laughs> and could we have a Thanksgiving ham? Which we did, which is funny now thinking about that. Um, we have two preferred holiday main courses. One of them is a turkey. I do a brined roasted turkey. That's very nice. And uh, the other is a flank steak, marinated flank steak on the grill. Very nice, too. Those are our preferred, I would say, holiday meals. We had the flank steak for Thanksgiving. And for we're going to have the flank steak for Christmas Eve and, the, and a, a uh, roasted turkey breast for Christmas Day, along with a bunch of sides. We did a, not quite a draft, but we did a family collab, collaboration, or as they would say now, collab, about what all the sides were. So... Our idea here is that since we're not having guests, everybody, as we did with Thanksgiving, everybody's just sort of picking stuff that they want and we're making it for ourselves and we're going to make sure everybody is delighted by all the ultimate all the holiday meal. That's right. So Brussels sprouts are in there and there's, you know, there's bread that we're going to make and there's going to be pie and there's cranberry sauce and mashed potatoes. And I've got this sort of like stir fried potatoes thing that I did for Thanksgiving that I'm going to redo and, you know, we'll have a good time. Mike, do you have a do you have any a traditional? Is it the traditional English uh, turkey? Yeah, thing? see, turkey is the 
is the meat because we don't have Thanksgiving, right? Yeah. So see, we already have a mandatory yeah turkey holiday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so our turkey holiday is Christmas. It's Christmas, yeah. Due to many family changes, that we were going to be making our first Christmas dinner this year anyway. Like it isn't just mm-hmm. COVID that is forcing us to me and Adina to make our own Christmas dinner. We were going to be cooking the family Christmas dinner anyway, and um. So I am excited about that. We're doing the whole nine yards, um, even though we're having a much smaller Christmas than we had imagined, even up until three days ago. Our Chris, uh, <laughs> our, our family Christmas just keeps shrinking and shrinking. I think at a certain point, I w- might just be cooking for myself. I, I don't even know anymore, uh, mm-hmm. but that's kind of the way it's going. I understand why, but it's, it's still a shame. Um, but we're going to be cooking everything the whole nine yards we're doing every like we're, we're doing turkey and pigs in blankets you know sausage wrapped in bacon we're doing brussels sprouts with bacon on them uh we do it what else have we got uh excellent roast potatoes yorkshire pudding we're doing the whole nine yards i'm very very uh excited for our christmas meal this year to be honest uh, we already cooked a a trial run of this a couple of weeks ago because we'd never done a meal of this kind of scale before as the two of us like we don't really cook meals that require timing to be so important you know like we've never done a meal that way before when you've got multiple sides and the main course and you have to time them all out yeah that's hard you know like when we cook we're cooking maybe with like two things on the hob and one thing's in the one thing in the oven at most sure you know like it's not how we normally cook so no, it's i'm hard. very very excited very very it's excited. actually good that you're doing it's such a small scale because that's a good that's a good practice run that's a good yeah. test as somebody yeah. who has made that meal for 12 people in my house yeah. in the past it's like that amps up the stress a lot and there's too many cooks at that point and there's like a you know my mother-in-law is coming into the kitchen to do a thing and i'm like no don't throw away i need it i need that yeah it gets stressful so uh, that's that's good. It's good. It's fun. I I mean, we we cook a lot for ourselves at home. We mostly just eat. You know, we we're not a big takeout, order out person family. We're not. But um, this is amped up, right? These are the ones where you put a lot of effort into it, and you're making special things, and it makes it feel special. And when in this case we're isolated, and it's just us, and there's there's no guests, um, it's uh it's something to make it feel special and different and like a holiday. I think that's good. Next question comes from Andrew. If you could entice Apple to create a messages send with effect screen, like confetti lasers that was Christmas themed, what would it do? Well, my, the obvious one is like a snowstorm. That's what I was going to go for too. Snow. That would be, yeah, send with snowflakes, send uh-huh. with snow, and there would be like Cute. little drifting, the snowflakes would drift, and, you know, if you want a little sleigh or something to fly across the top of the screen, that'd be okay. But I think a more generic, just winter snow kind of thing mm-hmm. would be super Christmassy, but also applicable whenever you have snow, <laughs> you could send that along. So that's what I would say. I could say. imagine maybe some fairy lights dropping down from the top of the screen or something could sure. be could be a cute little thing to do. A but festive. snow is the snow is the is the way to go there. I think. I always forget to send messages with effects. I always forget that. I do it quite a lot, um, and I am actually a fan of the fact that Apple just does some for you, <laughs> right? Like if you say yes. congratulations, congratulations, sends the confetti. Like why not? 
Pram asks, fake Christmas tree or real Christmas tree? Real Christmas tree. I'm a fake Christmas tree guy. Hmm. We don't have a lot of space. Yeah. We're in an apartment, right? Like, we have... Our Christmas tree is called a slim Christmas tree. It is a very weird tree. It's It doesn't really go out very much. Um, and it's just under six feet tall. So it's not a big tree. I would love a real big tree. It will be something we'll do in our future. But, but not right now. I just yeah, got a message for, sent with lasers from Jason. You did. Says from effects. my Mac. Although I'm on Catalina, so it just says effects and then in brackets, sent with, la- sent with lasers. There <laughs> oh, were no, no lasers. Well, that's that you ruined it all. Sent with snow. Mm-hmm. Just imagine that it was sent with snow. Yeah, I've always had a real Christmas tree and uh, we we go out and get one and bring it in and that's uh that's it. It's uh it's uh it's nice. It's a nice tradition. It makes the whole house smell nice. It's great. And the cats oh, the cats are fascinated by it. So that's extra fun. And then on that, building on that, uh Steve asked What is your favorite Christmas ornament on the tree? What is yours? Um, mine is a, uh, er, we got early on, I don't remember exactly when, but it was a long time ago, very early on in our marriage. And it is this white, I think Lauren got it for me. It is a white, I want. It, I think it's a gibbon. It's definitely a, an ape or monkey of some sort. Right. And it's in two pieces. It's got the sort of the flat part, which is the body and the face of the of the gibbon. And then there's a little curved part in front of it that's the two arms. And that means that as it sort of dangles, the arms kind of go side to side, like monkey-like. It's great. <laughs> I love it. It's my favorite. It's not that big. It's just, it's very subtle. Um, but it is my favorite and all. And if you do come to my house, don't come to my house. But if someone were to see my Christmas tree, they would notice that there are lots of monkeys on it. There are huh. th- very many monkeys on that Christmas tree. We have a quite a quite eclectic selection of decorations too. Um, and our favorite one was actually immortalized recently in uh, one of Adina's comics. So my wife Adina is uh, an illustrator and comic artist. She has an account on Instagram called Sticking Out Comics. I'll put a link in the show notes so you can see it. But there's a couple of things going on here with our tree. So our favorite one sits on the top, and it is a stegosaurus with a stocking in its mouth. Oh, man. That is our topper. But a new favorite is the one that Adina's character is holding in the in the comic, which is uh, a stegosaurus. So this is the one with like the pointy parts on the back, wearing three Santa hats. So we have lots of dinosaur-themed ones, and we have some weird Christmas tree decorations, but we like the dinosaur Christmas decorations. They're very, very good. Um, Eric asked, Money no object. What is the best technology gift for you? Um, object. Why don't you answer this one first? Pro Display XDR, because it feels like the most frivolous technology purchase I could imagine for me, because like I don't really have a use for it at all, and I don't care enough to own one. You know, like I have a like an LG display that I use and I really love the LG display. It's one of their ergonomic ones and it looks great to me, but it's, I know it's not a 6k pro display. And so for me, a pro display XDR kind of, it's something I would never buy for myself. Like I just would never buy that. Um, but I would love it if someone bought me one, the one with the matte screen as well, because like, let's do it. And a stand, of course, 
So that I think that would be mine. All right, uh, a Tesla. That's a good one. I'd like I'd like a yeah. Tesla, please. I'll t- I'll pick a model if you want me to, but you could also surprise me. It's fine. I'll take whatever. I'll take your Model Three. I'll take your Model S. I'll take your Model X. I'll take your Model Y. I don't care. Uh, that that I'll just take a Tesla. What Thank would you. be the one you would potentially think about for yourself, though? I don't know. I I, I dream of one day having to have this conversation. Uh, um, and I it's I think realistically it's more likely going to be a Model Three because it's the cheapest one. But I I actually think that it's a possibility that it would be the Model Y which is the crossover mostly because we do have like a dog and we have a minivan right now. And so having a, having a, a vehicle with a little more space and a little more flexibility uh, rather than just a standard sedan is probably what, so I guess I would probably ask for a maxed out model Y cause it's very expensive. No cyber truck, please not interested. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you wanted to go for like expensive, that would be the one right? or a roadster, but none of those things. Yeah, no, you want. no, thank you. Sam asked, what was one of your favorite holiday gifts as a child? Um, I got to say, I, I thought about this because there, there are a bunch of, I, like I got a bike, I got a little um, battery operated scooter when I was little that was, was like you could sit on it and drive around the driveway at two miles an hour, which was pretty awesome. I think I got a go-kart at one point, which was pretty great. But I think my answer has to be the Atari 2600 because that was, I don't, I actually don't, I was thinking about this. I don't know. I'm going to, I should look at my mom's pictures when I got the Atari 2600, 1980, maybe 79, but it was absolutely the thing I wanted the most. And, um, my parents had put up a front about no video games in the house, mostly because, my dad used the excuse. Maybe he thought this. I don't know that it would break the TV. He didn't want to break the TV by attaching one of them newfangled video game things onto it. Was that uh, a I thing that, that thing people so much. thought would happen? No. Oh no! He was just. I don't worried. know what. I I don't know whether he was worried or whether he just made that up as an right. excuse to not buy one. But I did get one for Christmas one year, and it was the most amazing thing ever. So I'm I'm gonna go with Atari 2600. In fact, Jonathan Colton has a song called 2600 that it's I, on I his would say fantastic Christmas album, great Christmas album with John Roderick. Yes, yep. and that song perfectly encapsulates the feeling of being a kid wanting an Atari 2600 under the tree. Absolutely. I have forgo- I usually give that that album a good listen every year, and I had I have forgotten. I have several of those songs on my sort of master playlist of Christmas songs. And so they come up and I laugh because my, my daughter was pointing out yesterday that there are probably some Christmas songs that my kids think are popular, well-known Christmas songs that actually nobody else knows except Mm. us because we like them because we put them on that playlist. But yeah, there's several Colton Roderick songs in there. I will ask you at this point, we'll come back to my answer in a minute, but just while I'm here, do you have favorite Christmas song? Favorite, uh, favorite Christmas Christmas song? Mm-hmm. Like a favorite, your one favorite song? song? Yeah. Well, if I have to pick one, I'm not going to pick one song. I'll pick the modern version is "Last Christmas" uh, by Wham. But, and okay. uh, the the classic version is going to be uh, the Christmas song by Nat King Cole. Okay. And then I'll put it. I'll I'll throw in uh, 
some favorite Christmas albums. The Vince Guaraldi Trio's Charlie Brown Christmas album is probably my favorite Christmas album. But I will admit to loving the Nat King Cole Christmas song album and also the Oh, I forget, was it Jolly Christmas with Frank Sinatra? One of the Sinatra Christmas albums where, you know, he's tossing it off. He doesn't care. There are lots of background singers filling in for all of Frank's weaknesses, but I kind of love it. I kind of love how ridiculous and, and, and I don't know, Sinatra it is. So I listen to that one every year too. But if I had to pick one album, it would be the Vince Guaraldi, uh, Charlie Brown album. My favorite Christmas song is Step Into Christmas by Elton John. Really underrated okay. Christmas song. Nice. It's super fun. It's not like other Christmas songs. I love it. My uh, Going back to the original question that was from Sam, my favorite holiday gift as a child was the year when I got a Game Boy Pocket with Pokemon Blue. Mm-hmm. Best Christmas. See? I was so excited. I didn't sleep the night before. I just did not sleep the night before Christmas because I was so freaking excited to play Pokemon because by that point I'd started watching the anime and like I'd gotten books and stuff, but the game, I didn't have the game, right? Cause the, the game was going to be my Christmas gift. Uh, I was so amped for that game and I freaking loved it. And I have so many vivid memories of that Christmas. It's one of my only childhood Christmases that I really remember. Um, I would have been like 10, Maybe mm. around that kind of age. So what what you're saying is both of us answered the same thing, which is yeah. a video game when we were ten. Yep, the video. I mean, that's clearly there's clearly something very formative about that experience. I think so. Ryan asked, "What are you looking forward to in 2021?" Oh, I, being out of 2020, yep. seeing people. Uh, COVID vaccine. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm hoping the world is a better place in 2021. And you know, you say that every year around around New Year's, but I have never met it more. <laughs> yeah, this. One I just has hope the world's a better place. Particularly rough. Like t- just to double down, like you know, like so many people, you know, I have spent the longest time away from my friends than I have ever, and. You know, I would imagine some people have been able to have like some outdoor experiences with some friends and I've had that, right? Like I've gone for walks in the park with some friends and stuff. But most of my friends, people like you, I have not gone this long without seeing you in five years. And so that is going to be a big thing for me is being mm-hmm. able to see the people, people that I care about. Yeah. Uh, Tom has asked, I've never had eggnog and I don't drink dairy. Do you like eggnog? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if Tom's trying to get us to convince them to, to go hard on the dairy, but I love eggnog. It was a thing that we started drinking maybe two years ago. I'd never had it before. Um, and we followed a recipe from Binging with Babbage, which is one of my very favorite YouTube channels. And now we have made uh, the Binging with Babbage eggnog part of our Christmas tradition in the Holy Household. I don't like eggnog. I'm not interested. I, You know what, Jason? I kind of figured that you were going to say that. I don't know why, but I just kind of felt like that. I, eggnog doesn't really feel like a Jason Snell thing to me. It's not. It's not. It's pleased that I got that right, but I recommend it. I love it. It's a, it's a lovely holiday drink. 
And Steve asked, how do you prefer your Christmas tree to be lit? White lights, colored lights, or real candles? Uh, does anybody light their Christmas tree with candles? Is that sure, a thing? people in the people in the 18th century. Yeah, I, I, do you know what, Jason? I bet there's a correlation between people that unlock their uh, computers with their pinky fingers and real candle tree people. So people, so can't p- pinky unlockers are 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 candle tree. Are real people. candle people, yeah. It feels like there would be a correlation there to me. It's like an unnecessary fanciness. The answer is colored lights. That's the answer. Okay. Colored lights. Not blinking. No, not blinking. I have white lights, but it's not because, like, I really care. Like, they were just the lights we bought. <laughs> you just uh, bought some, happened to buy some. See? Cause they could have been colored lights. It would have been. Perhaps would not they will be someday. Me. Maybe. May, I don't remember, but, like, maybe Adina wanted white lights i i don't remember because like i don't feel like i have a preference so the fact that we have only one maybe seems to suggest that there was like you know she cared more because i Mm. grew up archery when we grew up have both so i was pretty used to both you know we had the kind of i mean i don't know if this is a thing anymore it probably isn't actually like the kind of lights that Sometimes they go off and you'd have to screw every single one of them, right? You have to go oh, around yeah. and check that they're all screwed in. I bet the that isn't a thing anymore. Light technology has improved vastly with LEDs. Um, it, things are, it's way better than it used to be. So much better than it used to be. That was our holiday themed hashtag ask upgrade. Thank you so much to everybody who sent one of those questions in. I'm really pleased that we got to do that. If you want to send in a question for a usual episode, it could typically be about anything you can send out a tweet with the hashtag ask upgrade or use question mark ask upgrade in the relay fm members discord we have lots of technology focused ask upgrades that have been building up so we'll make sure that we get to those in a new year we won't be doing any next time because it's going to be the upgradies uh we have one more special segment for this week's episode where we're going to be reviewing a charlie brown christmas special but before we do let me thank our final sponsor of this week's episode and that is our friends at squarespace make your next move with squarespace they let you easily create a website for your next idea or project they'll give you the ability to register a unique domain name customize beautiful award-winning templates to make your website look fantastic and they will be on hand to help you with anything you need because they have award-winning 24 7 customer support squarespace is an all-in-one platform to let you build just about any website that you want to make whether you want to make a blog you can do that portfolio you can do an online store a site for an event a site for a band a site for a business anything they have it all there it is that all-in-one platform it's so easy to use you can set up your site in a web browser in their app you can tweak it to your heart's content you can use their templates some of their templates actually come with page structure built in and then you can just amend what's on every page which can be super useful because you're like i don't know what pages i need for my business well you can enable them and it was done. Like when we set up our wedding website on Squarespace, it had all that stuff. Like it had a, a, a template page structure. And so it made us think, oh yeah, people were going to want a registry page, right? And we could put all of that on the site. Really, really easy. There's nothing to install, nothing to patch or upgrade. They take care of all of that stuff so you don't have to. So go and try it out for yourself right now. Go to squarespace.com upgrade. You can sign up for a trial and you actually get the full ability to customize the site to your heart's content. 
you can build the whole thing in the trial. Then when you're ready to launch it to the world, you sign up for one of their plans. They start at just $12 a month. But you can get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain and show your support for this show by using the offer code UPGRADE. So there's squarespace.com slash UPGRADE and the code UPGRADE to get 10% off your first purchase. Our thanks to Squarespace for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. Okay, let's talk about a Charlie Brown Christmas. Now, I mentioned on yeah. a previous episode, much to the dismay, horror of many uh, Upgradians, I had never yes. seen this before. And my typical response to people that, that got in touch about this was typically to just send them a UK flag because yeah. this is a very American thing. And one of those things that Americans, I love you, but you get that mindset Right? Where you're like, well, we do it. Everyone must do it. No. Yeah. Like, Charlie Brown is a very American thing. And so it's never been yeah. something. I've never even seen it on television in my life. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah, absolutely a Christmas tradition. And uh, on uh, aired every year and everybody would sit down and watch it. And it's a real, it's a real thing. It's, it's, uh, yeah, I, I love this. I love that you, it's 2020 and you just saw a Charlie Brown Christmas. I guess we can thank Apple, right? We do the anti-petition I, I mean, on that, this show. That was the that was the impetus, I would say, for mm-hmm. for us choosing this. So it it came out in 1965. It is it is interesting, I think, to me that it's based on Peanuts. Peanuts is the name of the comic strip, legendary comic strip. Peanuts. I'm allergic to Peanuts. It's another reason I haven't seen it. And there you go, right there. Um, but they don't call it the Peanuts Christmas special or something. It's a Charlie Brown Christmas, which has why a meaning. They, do you know Charlie why? Brown. Like, why? Like, because I think the show was called Peanuts, right? Or was it called Charlie Brown? Like the actual there's animated show. No, there's no show. Oh, I thought that there was a show. Okay, no show, just okay. a comic strip. Just a comic strip. Interesting. Um, and then a bunch of specials. Hmm. Uh, Peanuts is a weird name. I think Charles Schultz didn't like it. It just was a name that I think maybe even was selected for him by the uh, syndicate. So uh, everything is branded as Charlie Brown. And people know Charlie Brown and Snoopy and stuff. They don't really know Peanuts. So Peanuts doesn't get a lot of play, which is fine. But it is a comic strip. It was legendary and popular. Uh, it lasted, um, what, 50 years, basically, <laughs> uh, in daily newspapers when that was a thing in the in the last half of the 20th century, which it was. It was huge. And Snoopy was huge, and I had a stuffed Snoopy as a kid. Like, just it was everywhere on T-shirts and mugs and TV specials, and like it was a, it was an enormous phenomenon. So just to put that no, in so context, see, it's interesting because very I'm very familiar with Snoopy as a kid. There you go, Snoopy. Snoopy was one character. of those characters that just I think in a lot of places, just transcended where it came from. You yes. know, like a like a Mario or a Hello Kitty or a Bart Simpson, even, where it's right. like, now it's just a thing, and there's merchandising that you can just purchase well, not knowing anything about this character. I, I think the big example is Mickey Mouse, right? Mm. Who is far better known as a symbol and a character than from his animated stuff. Mm-hmm. Um. And, and so, yeah, so Snoopy especially has transcended that. Um, the other thing I want to mention before I, I we, we tap into your brain and see what you think about this and what I was thinking of every time I watch it now as an adult, I think of this, which is this is 15 years into the, into the run of the Peanuts comic strip. It is based on 
the Peanuts comic strip, some things you need to know about the Peanuts comic strip. It is for for a theoretically a comic strip about a bunch of kids. It is kind of dark. It's depressing. Kinda, AF especially is what it is. Especially Jason. especially for mid century. It's it's kind of dark. It is psychological. Charlie Brown is a put upon sad sack kind of character. That's part of the part of the fun. The mm-hmm. first in 1950, the first Peanuts comic strip ever is two kids sitting on a stoop and they go, hey, here comes good old Charlie Brown. Good old Charlie Brown. Charlie Brown walks by and then they're watching him go and and the one kid says, how I hate him. Oh my God. <laughs> and that's how, the, that's how the strip started. So it's got some interesting baggage that comes along with it. And the other thing I wanted to say about, about Peanuts is uh, it's comic strip, which means it has a, a, a style like you'll do a week of strips and for those who don't know about reading like newspaper comic strips or web comics are kind of like this too, but especially the structure in newspaper comic strips, six days of strips, Monday through Saturday, three panels a day. Mm-hmm. So what you get is this week, it's going to be jokes about Snoopy decorating his doghouse, And there's going to be set up punchline, set up punchline, set up punchline throughout the week. And then the next week, it'll probably be something different. And knowing that you watch a Charlie Brown Christmas and you go, oh, <laughs> that explains a lot about why there are just scenes where somebody walks in, there are a bunch of jokes, and then they walk out again. Yeah. Because it's literally just the setup punchline structure from the comic strip brought to life in animation. Yeah. And, and, and as a result, I think the Charlie Brown Christmas special is, uh, parts of it are, feel more like, uh, more like a comedy sketch. I that one of my notes that I wrote down was this just feels like a selection of sketches. Like I got that feeling from it, where it's like there is an overriding theme to this special, but all of these situations that are occurring within it, they're kind of mostly unconnected, and they feel like sketches running through it, as opposed to it being like one story. So I, I definitely get yes. that feeling. From yeah, it. It, it's it's episodic. There is a story, but so much of it is just outside of that because they want to show you all these characters and they want to seem like they're the ones that are in the comic strips. Or I think even less about the marketing and more about the structure, like this is our chance to make the comic strip come to life. And it's 1965. And they're not like, we're going to reimagine Peanuts. It's like, no, we're going to play some of the hits from... Uh, these characters that you know, and so that's what it is. So there's the there's the uh, Lucy at the uh, her advice psycho- psychological advice thing, and that's a bit. And Snoopy at his doghouse, and that's a bit. And uh, Charlie Brown's sister Sally making her Christmas list, and that's a bit. And then like there's a bunch of that. And then there's if there's a plot, it's the Christmas. He's directing the Christmas play. Uh, and then has to get a tree. I mean, that's the plot. And then the tree is bad and everybody laughs at it. And then the tree is turns out to be nice and they all dance. And that's the end. Because there's not a lot here. It's also 20 minutes long. 25 minutes long. So, so I, was, I was wondering if I was going to be like... All right, so let's the backstory of this. I think we should tell the backstory of this. Okay. So we were trying to pick a thing. Yes. For, for Mike at the movies. We wanted to do the Christmas thing. And Jason recommended... Charlie Brown Christmas. And I was nervous about this because I didn't, I'd never seen it. 
no affiliation to it, no particular love for Charlie Brown. And I know just how dear many of our listeners hold this to themselves. I didn't want to watch this, not like it, and then come to the yes. episode and be like, this was boring and sad, right? So here, here's the plot twist is I told Mike, why don't you watch it? It's yeah. only 25 minutes long. And if you don't like it, we'll pick something else and we won't talk about it. And this was two weeks ago. So I liked it enough that we That we're here. That now we're here. <laughs> uh, I did find this kind of funny that when I went to the screen in, in Apple TV, it had these two words next to each other. 1965, 4K Dolby Vision. Now, I don't think those two things match. Huh. I'm just going to say. Uh, well, it's on film and they scanned in the film and restored it. I know, but, but it's still animation <laughs> from 1965. It didn't really, I mean, you know, it looks like animation from 1965. Sure. I, it doesn't really look like it was presented in 4K Dolby Vision. This is not a criticism, but because, like, what are you going to do? But it was just funny to me anyway, right? Like these two you things just next to each other. Every bit of film grain. You uh, really do. You can, you can see it. I immediately recognized the score. You know, like I've heard these songs, I've heard yes. the album, right? My like I've heard Christmas all album. this stuff. It's a yep. favorite. It's fantastic. Um, it really is super sad, like dark. It sad. is. It is. What like, is it about? There's certainly a vein of of Christmas movies in general. It's a Wonderful Life is like this. A Christmas Carol is really like this. That there's. It's all about kind of like getting pretty dark and then having kind of a redemption at the end. And that that is not every. You know, Christmas story is just happy all the time. A lot of them are. It gets it gets real dark, and then at the end, there's like that moment of like, oh, oh, it's the meaning of Christmas after all, Charlie Brown. And uh, this one is is definitely. If you go in thinking it's just going to be a brightly colored, happy, shiny, uh, it's not. It, it's definitely not. Charlie Brown is depressed. That's all how it starts, time. right? It's Charlie Brown is depressed. Is is a troubled kid? Like he is a troubled kid. It's kind of upsetting, really. Because are they voiced by children? Do you know uh, that? Yes, I mean, that's that's one of the interesting tacks that they took, and you can tell in, in a few parts. And it's probably not what uh, most animated things now would do, but they yeah. specifically cast children in all the parts. Okay, and so was this for many people the first time that these characters had had voices? Then? I think it was the first time. Yes. Right. Okay. The kids, so like I'm familiar with some of the tropes of Charlie Brown, though, right? So like I know that um, there's a like a psychiatry element to it. What's right, the character's the name? Violet Booth. That's uh, that's Lucy. Lucy, and uh, it's, she's mean. Like, she's also the one who pulls the football away from Charlie Brown when he tries to I kick know the football. Yeah, but everyone's mean to to Charlie Brown, though. Yes. Like, even his friend Linus is just like, you're the Charlie Browniest, which I thought was funny, but it's like, oh, man, can't someone give this kid a break? Like yeah. Even even his dog betrays him. Everyone, it's, it's, it's rough. I like the dancing scenes a lot. It's not a play, which I th- also think is kind of funny. That you're talking about they're going to do this play. There's never a play. It's just dancing. Which I just thought was kind of cute, but I dancing around the nativity, basically. Yeah, yeah, I, I like that. And there's a lot of like, there's a lot of jokes in this, um, which, you know, like it, it's that idea of like this is for kids, but the jokes are for adults. Like it's even in here, like what, like I can't remember the character. It was like, what would you want for for Christmas? It's like real estate. Oh yeah, it's just like just like a great punchline. 
yeah, that's the that's the Sally listing all the things that she wants. And please, please note the sizes and colors as yep. described here and all of that. That she's so little a kid that she can't write the letter herself. But she's got very and this is the kind of the message, right? Is it's the uh anti-commercialism like yeah what is going on these kids are so against the commercialism of christmas yeah it's weird it's weird i think this was a thing in the 60s where there was this trend of like oh christmas is too commercialized and and it's too many like maybe maybe the american economy uh suddenly realized how important christmas was and it all got kind of bombarded and this is kind of a crusty uh rejoinder to that saying let's not forget that the holiday itself and and um, I think even if you're not religious, the the resolution where um, Linus does the the Bible reading essentially is it's that moment of like, have we lost focus on Christmas as a holiday and focused yeah. it on presents and money? Um, because that's what Sally does say is is uh, if you if you have a problem with this, just give me money, fives and tens are <laughs> preferable, right? Yeah. Like it's just uh, and and that I think that's the idea is that Charlie Brown's general ennui is all about the fact that he's lost the plot or everybody else has lost the plot of Christmas mm-hmm. and that it's it's supposed to be about uh, about that particular holiday and also about peace on earth, goodwill toward men, the whole like the whole thing instead of present here, present there, uh, commercialism like that. But it is uh, I think about that a lot actually every time I watch it because it is an interesting theme to have and every passing year I feel like I I take the temperature of Christmas commercialism again because on one level, com- it's been commercialized for so long that it's sort of baked in. And on another level, we've been criticizing the commercialism of it for so long. So I don't know. I, I, it's it's a, but it, it is like a, a show that's basically saying um, if you're just focused on the presence, giving and getting, you're doing it wrong, which is an interesting tack for a, animated family holiday special to take and yet it became a classic i have another question that i think might be a, a unique thing of the time aluminium christmas trees what's that all about those were the predecessor to our fake trees of today oh uh, okay huh so it's like a little metal tree with little metal uh, little metal branches and stuff and it's like a yeah like a little fake tree that's what that is because that's like a very prevalent thing in the tree part of the of the special mm-hmm. is like that they is that they should get an aluminium one and i didn't really understand <laughs> what yeah, that it's meant, a fake you know? get a fake tree yeah. yeah i mean i found it charming i actually had yeah. more laugh out loud moments than i was expecting because what was funny to me at most is the way that these kids treat each other Right. Like, while sometimes it was shocking to me in a way that I didn't like, there are parts of it where because they talk like adults, but it's children's voices. Yeah. There are moments where the punchlines are very effective. Yeah, the and, real estate joke is, I think, pretty effective. That was my favorite. That was the I, that elicited the biggest laugh from me. Real estate. I also like. Um, there's a scene where Linus and Lucy are talking. And Linus is like, or no, it's not. It's it's Schroeder, right? It's the piano player. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'm going to do Christmas music. I'm going to do Bach. Or I'm going to do Beethoven. No, he's obsessed with Beethoven. I'm going to do Beethoven. She's like, nah. <laughs> how about how about Jingle Bells? Yeah. He's like, okay, I'm going to play Jingle Bells in a more classical style. And she's like, no, I mean, 
jingle bells, you know? And he's like, oh, okay. And it's like, it is the portrait of an artist. And he plays it in just the worst possible way, right? It's very good. Yeah, and she's like, yeah, that's it. You got it now. And it's like, it's the portrait of an artist trying not to compromise and ending up in a horrendously compromised place, which I feel like is, again, part of the commentary mm-hmm. about the sh- of the show and about Christmas. But it's also a really funny interaction between those kids where the one kid is super earnest and is like, Beethoven, I love Beethoven. I'm obsessed with Beethoven. And the other one's like, don't give me any of Beethoven. Give me the tinkly tinkly. He's like, all right. <laughs> it's great. It's great. Yeah, it's super cute and it's short and yep. fun and easy like charming is a good root word too it's got some funny jokes in it and it is just kind of charming I, I i feel like and the music is beautiful and the ki- the the kids and like charlie brown you're rooting for him that poor guy and in the mm-hmm. end he gets a win yeah it's just nice. like I, I can see why people watch it every year because it reminds me of like kind of like a a Christmas album in that sense, right? Like I don't know sure. if people just listen to the music, but it's short and it's it's easy. You know, I could imagine people put it on when they're doing something, you yeah. know, like decorating the tree or whatever you put on Charlie Brown Christmas. Like I, I can see how it's become the thing that it is, but it is also just interesting because like there are a million of these types of things, you know, like the special of this animated series or or whatever mm-hmm. and it's just it's just interesting to me that there seems to have been this real kind of like cultural like collective around this one it's just it's just intriguing to see how one thing can pull ahead like that yeah it's and and it comes from a, a period in in the 60s where there were three tv networks in the US mm-hmm. so there were only three things on tv and this was a popular, right? It's an animated special for the holidays. It's a popular car- cartoon, par- popular comic strip. And so I think it got a big audience that time and also hit the spot in a way that it it, it had some sort of resonance. And then what CBS did is they just aired it every year. You're and right. so then it became a tradition. They made it a tradition. Like, it was well received, which, I mean, the story goes that they thought it was going to be a disaster and nobody was going to like it because it was unlike any other animated thing that was being made at the time. Yeah. And was darker and had the weird, we, we appreciate it now, having a jazz score was not what anyone wanted, right? That was a such a weird creative choice that turned out to be brilliant, but so weird in the moment. And so the the story is that the producers and the network and everybody thought this is not this is going to be a disaster, mm-hmm. and it ended up that people liked it, and it became a tradition when they ran it every year, and it has you know become this tradition in America. So I think some of it is good luck, uh, and the ball started to roll, and it and it and it once in that era it was so easy to capture attention compared to now, and then once you've got it, like then then it's a uh, then everybody is, has got that attention and then it repeats every year at the holidays and it just, it's like snowballs. It just gets more and more and more and becomes this thing that, you know, as a kid, it was just Charlie Brown was on and you would, the Charlie Brown special. And there were a million others that tried to get into that territory. But this is the one I think that really stood um, out as the definitive holiday special that everybody watched every year as a tradition. Yeah, we have... You know, like every every family, we have our things that we watch. 
And mm-hmm. uh, I can imagine this one becoming one of them because it's it's it was fun and easy, and it's now yeah. very available. And you can laugh at Charlie Brown's sad sadness and and yeah. uh, like oh Charlie Brown come on and then you know he gets he gets to succeed in the end with his Christmas tree and everybody dances and they do the Snoopy dance, mm-hmm. which uh, people who haven't seen the special might not understand, <laughs> but but now you've seen it. So that was a Charlie Brown Christmas, and this was the Upgrade Holiday Special. We would like to wish you all a very happy holidays, however you're celebrating. Um, you know, it's, a, it's a, definitely a standout year, this one. Uh, it's going to be one that's memorable, and I hope that you're all able to celebrate it in the way that feels best for you. Um, I would like to thank our sponsors for this episode, Squarespace, Samebox, Smile, and Pingdom. Thank you so much. I'd also like to thank our members, the the Upgradians who support us directly in our uh, Upgrade Plus bonus content for today's episode, we're going to be talking about The Mandalorian because I have now watched it all and I really want to talk to Jason about it. Ooh. If you would like to hear that discussion and you are not currently supporting the show, go to getupgradeplus.com and you can sign up and you'll be able to get that uh, bonus content in Upgrade with also no ads in the episodes as well. And we thank everybody that does that. Uh, We'll be back next time where we're going to be participating in the 7th Annual Upgradies Awards. Make sure that you get your nominations in by going to upgradies.vote. Voting closes on December 23rd. Uh, If you want to find Jason online, he is at jsnell, J-S-N-E-L-L, and at sixcolors.com. I am iMike, I-M-Y-K-E, and we'll be back next time. Until then. Say goodbye, Jason Snell. That's what Christmas is all about, Mike Hurley. 